0: Hello and welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Hello. And we have a very special star witness to call to the stand, our first ever guest... Ben Mandelker of Watch What Crappens.
1: Hey, what's going on? I'm so <laughs> honored to be your star witness. I wore my
2: finest white hat with a veil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're honored you joined us today. So yeah,
0: cool. I, um, I've been kind of hounding Ben. Um, Ben is a a friend? A frenemy? How would we classify the relationship? Uh, well, I, w- I would
1: have thought just friend, but I mean, in the spirit of dynasty, we can elevate it to frenemy.
0: Well, I guess I'm thinking about how we first met. Oh, yeah. We, um, yeah. Do you want to Our
1: explain? friendship is rooted in lies and intrigue <laughs> because we met um, in the Big Brother house.
0: Yeah. How many people can say that?
1: I know. We were not actually contestants, but we were both there for Big Brother Media Day, which is when, uh, ahead of the season premiere, the, big bro- the producers and CBS invite members of the media to spend the day in the Big Brother house and actually play out a game of Big Brother, a, a, like a one week of Big Brother in one day. And um, you know, at that time you were writing for the AP and mm-hmm. uh, I was just a blogger, but um, but Joe Adalian, another writer, uh, he sort of like enlisted me to write a column for, I think it was TV.com or The Rap or something like that, so I could basically go into the Big Brother house. So we met in there, and um, drama ensued.
0: Yeah, I mean, you really were the downfall of my game. So basically, yeah. they like <laughs> lock you in there for like 24 hours and play like a truncated version of Big Brother. Mm-hmm. You were very bubbly and nice, and then you were like, hey, let's go upstairs. I was, you know what's so funny? I was
1: just thinking about that yesterday. <laughs> I was just thinking about that yesterday because I was watching actual Big Brother and thinking about like how funny it is that you do one thing, and it just cast so much suspicion and when i did that when i basically we were talking about someone we were gossiping about yeah, someone we were right just, like, being and catty i said let's bitches. go upstairs and in my mind i wasn't even trying to make you. obviously i was not trying to make myself look shady but by doing that everyone was against was us was against us yeah. but i think that was my second year doing it right and I, I i seem to remember my first year i went into big brother day i'm doing ear quotes um, i went into it Playing the, like the game the way I would have if I were actually on Big Brother, which was like laying low and just being friendly, and um, like gathering information, planting quiet seeds, and then as a result, what happens is at the end of a Big Brother day, like about a few days later, the producers actually edit it together because they are filming you. They edit it together like an actual episode, and I was like not in the episode, so I was like this year. I'm just gonna be like a little like more outspoken and like gregarious and big and see what's what. Yeah, they different. want content. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, whatever, because it's like last year I actually like really cared. Like, what happened? Like, I, I don't want to get voted <laughs> out. I was like, I was like, the stakes were so high, I was going crazy. And then this the second yeah, time. Yeah, your
2: reward is you're written out of the show, basically. Yeah. The second <laughs> time I
1: was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Let me just have fun with this. So I accidentally dragged you, uh, put you, put the spotlight on you, and then I just went with it at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean, we actually had fun. Let's just say there were people there that. Were wallpaper, so mm-hmm. at least we were like playing the game. We had a great time, yeah. But I ended up getting voted out because you schemed against me and turned the entire house against me. No, I see. You
1: know, it's you know funny. I'm not even saying this to make myself look better. I actually don't really remember the specifics of of how that all happened. Oh, I know that like convenient. Reagan and I. I think Reagan and I had a secret Typical alliance, sociopath. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was it? Yeah, it was. We had an alliance in the house. It was you, me, Andrea, and Matt Whitfield.
0: Yeah, but that was a fake alliance. You had a real alliance with the guy from People (laughs) Matters.
1: That's right. There's always those layers of alliances. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a secret alliance with him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But no, it was a really, (laughs) really good time. And then in that time, you've become a prolific... Podcaster, you podcast like every day
1: every day every day I'm podcasting to paraphrase, I don't know how you though, it to do do I can't even do it once we a week we <laughs> barely can do this once a week I think that my, my co-host Ronnie Karam and I just have like an insatiable need for like attention and entertaining and and things like that and we're just sort of it's just it's consumed our lives better in the best to do way. right thank you thank you <laughs> it's consumed our lives in the best way and yeah so now now I've gone from Uh, Like aspiring Big Brother contestant to, um, you know, Bravo commentator.
0: Well, we're very honored that you've lowered your standards to come on to our little podcast. Hardly, hardly. No, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, about this that.
1: is amateur hour over here. No, so. no, no. First of all, you guys have you guys have ponyed up a beautiful cheese plate.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> Which... I saw on Twitter that you're doing
2: keto, Thank and you. I feel for
0: your pain. Thank you. So we got a few meats and cheeses,
2: including a one. that... Notice the crackers are not on there. Yeah, no, I appreciate of that. Of course not. I appreciate no, those that. Are the temptation would have been. But yeah, we found
0: it. We found a cheese that was called called um new woman yeah. so in honor of this week's episode in which a new woman graces us with her presence we decided to get this cheese you guys have already nibbled did you I try. the new
2: one i've already i've already
1: the
0: new woman in my
1: i've already um yeah i've already dabbled in it's, the new woman it's a little
2: earthy a little spicy it's not as feminine of a cheese it as you doesn't, would think i wouldn't taste maybe, this and call it new woman well maybe but, this
1: is like more like today's woman it's yes, like a new it's woman. quite a twist like, for sure mm. It's not feminine, I would say. <laughs> it tastes actually very, like... If I were to, like, give it, like, a... I would think, like, construction work, right? I would
2: you know, yeah, it's oil rig driver must. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel
1: like it's appropriate for the show in a different way.
0: I'm getting the kind of woman who doesn't need to shave her armpits. A modern woman. Yeah. 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 I'm getting a liberated... One. Now I want to taste the new woman again. <laughs> There's, like, a chorizo
1: quality to it, which mm-hmm. is, like, not very Linda Evans. <laughs>
2: No. Yeah. Or really Joan Collins either. Mm-hmm. I don't this know. is not a Joan Collins cheese. No. no. It's
0: yeah, this woman from this cheese is not appearing. I on think Dynasty. Joni's a Brie
2: bitch, but you know, I don't know. I think it's she... like a
0: Joan Van Ark cheese. I <laughs> Joan Van well, Mark. I did get a Brie too, which I'll take a bite of delicious. now. Because I just I hate it when people have cheese plates and they don't have a soft always cheese. Always have a soft cheese. You gotta have a soft cheese. That's rule number one of cheese. <laughs> always
1: have a soft cheese and a soft lens. So, you know, I have to say I'm really excited that you guys invited me onto this because For several years, I've been Dynasty Curious, But I've never actually watched an episode of Dynasty. I think a lot of
2: people have. And now, of course, there's the reboot. So it's on everybody's radar. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people still have not actually watched the old original. Yeah. um, The
1: closest I got was that there was um, some TV movie that was made in the 2000s, I think on CBS. That was like, Mm -hmm. this is what happened on Dynasty. Yeah. And it was like like Pamela Reed or something
0: like that. Right. She played Esther Shapiro, one of the co creators. Mm And I I loved
1: it. I I remember watching that movie and be like, wow, this is amazing. I I wish I could watch Dynasty because at that time, you couldn't just like sit down and watch Dynasty the way you could now.
0: Yeah, I think you, the only way you could watch it was like on Soap Network or FX right. reruns or something yes, like God. that. Soap Net, wow. But yeah, now- but God forbid
2: they were playing it while you were at work because then you had to tape it.
0: Right. Well, now you yeah you can just dial it up on Amazon, or you could even watch it for free on the CW app. But good. I'm glad to hear that because this that's the same, and that's basically the basis of the podcast. I know you haven't listened, mm. but uh, Kyler has seen. <laughs> Nobody else has either. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah you, you and millions of other people. I just didn't want to be spoiled. <laughs> sure, sure. But um, I haven't seen it. So every time I watch it, this is all all fresh to your eyes. And it's the same thing. I've had an interest too, and like I know the players, but I don't necessarily know the game. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I know Joan Collins is on it. I know that it's the Carrington family. I know it's Denver oil, but I don't really know anything else. Meanwhile, Kyler has seen every episode, Mm -hmm. Um, but But only once. Yeah and but and because it ran for 9 seasons he doesn't necessarily remember everything that happened wow, so sometimes it is new it ran the whole 80s it yeah. premiered in 81 and ended in 89 I mean it
1: was like iconic for that it's kind of I mean CBS had that that line had like Dallas and Dynasty and Knots Landing. They were just like the kings of like they 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 had like that nighttime soap.
2: I think Dynasty was ABC. Dynasty right? was ABC. They, and well, they cooked it up to compete with Dallas. Yeah. 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 Dallas had been on
0: CBS. It's uh, owned by CBS mm-hmm. now, but it was all broadcast on ABC. At oh, basically, CBS
1: CBS had Falcon Crest, Dallas. And I Knot think Landing. they had. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah.
0: And basically what happened was Dallas came out in the 70s, at the end of the 70s, and was a big hit. And then ABC went to Aaron Spelling and was like, give us this. Mm-hmm. And so the show was originally called Oil. As you can kind of tell from... Yeah, it's from trying the- to do some
2: dallas yeah, things. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there is oil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that
1: makes much more sense because like, it's so strange that CBS would have two soaps yeah it's it's a little more
2: rough around the edges in the first half of the first season because they're still doing like what they think dallas is doing but then Mm -hmm. they eventually kind of give it up and like they're like no we're gonna go glitzy and and do greed Mm -hmm. is good and spending money not making money Mm. you know so that was like but the first season is so different from the rest of the show yeah which, which you watched this this last episode and you can already kind of tell this isn't really what people think of when they think of exactly. dynasty
1: exactly and and um it's interesting because uh i've heard that like basically once joan collins arrives at the end of this episode that's when dynasty really kind of like kicked in and started to find its voice. oh yeah she
2: burns everything down and like she takes over so mm-hmm. it's like a whole different show once she's on the scene
0: yeah but what's been interesting going through this first season with kyler is he warned me that it was going to be really boring and a total slog and it actually has been really interesting like I didn't realize I like, just said
2: that so you'd have low expectations <laughs>
0: well it worked honey I've actually really enjoyed it I had no idea that it got into like themes of like feminism and it really delved into like homosexuality well and like, was... bisexuality in a way mm-hmm. too so yeah. yeah I didn't even realize I was,
1: that I was actually pretty shocked now, now I hadn't so I did not watch the episodes leading up to this right. episode so for me, every re- revelation, including Brian Dennehy as
2: a prosecutor, <laughs> Brian, that's how we today. felt too. I, I had to like surprise. pause and, and go take a break for a minute when that first happened. <laughs> like,
0: well, speaking of taking a break, let's take a break and then we'll like dive into really talking about this week's episode, the season finale, the testimony. Right, that's what it's called. The testimony. Yeah, the testimony. <laughs> I like that the guest is telling me the title of the episode. All right, welcome back. Court is back in session. Court is back in oh goodness, session, and we got calling... my blue boxy car and drive <laughs> over to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I guess we'll we'll call uh, Ben Mandelker to the stand. So, give us just a general overview when you started watching the episode. Like, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I want outsider on. opinion on this. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I mean, uh, I was I was oddly excited. I was like, "Ooh, Dynasty! This will be fun." You know, really, my most significant exposure to Dynasty is in a seminal scene in uh, the '80s movie Big Business, when Bett Midler <laughs> is. It's a in it. seminal movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is. She's like a huge Dynasty fan, and there's like one scene where she's watching Alexis fire everyone. She's like, "If you don't agree to my." My opinion, whatever my demands, I will have no hesitation in firing you all on the spot, whatever. And so, Ben Miller watches. And she's like, "Give him hell, Alexa." And then, like later on in the climax of that movie, she, Alexa, she's like, give him hell. <laughs> yeah, she like she recites uh, Alexa, Lexus, or Alexa, Lexus, Alexis, Alexis. 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 Yeah. Alexis Carrington's like speech at like a giant board meeting. So that's like my my entry point. It's I think Dynasty. for a lot
2: of young gay men, that sort of uh, movie moment is is. Sort of a template for memories and, yeah. and the way you start to behave over, you know, as you become an adult. I, I have those moments from films too. Yeah. Not this specific one from Diane. although I love Big Business. That's that's a movie that doesn't get enough attention. I no. think, but
1: really fun watching the opening credits. First of all, they're like nearly two minutes long, which is like unheard. That just of doesn't happen. I know, anymore, mm. right? Which is so sad. I actually think that there's such a wonderful art in opening there is, credits, yeah, and it really, especially does, in these, yeah, yeah and it, and it really like sort of like establishes the tone and the music it gives you like warm feelings because I've heard this theme song before, so that was really fun to see and to see the, the random actors that were in it and everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. some of these were were people that were known back then. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, and also I. I just those those graphics with the oil spurt, you know, the Uh, lines. I I just love the lines. It's just so it's iconic. And then it becomes sort of like very 80s in a -hmm. way, which I don't even think they meant that they were just doing that oil graphic. But
0: yeah, that's part of the journey that we're going on with this podcast is how Dynasty in some ways invent the
1: 80s or is it a product of? That's a question that. You could probably write a thesis on. Because, be you know, we were talking
2: earlier, it ran for nine years, and pretty much the entire decade mm-hmm. is, you know, is this show a mirror for that decade? You know, it's interesting to watch it develop and, and yeah. take place. I mean, but.
1: if I remember correctly from that made-for-TV movie, like, the show goes completely off the rails, somewhere around 1987, right? Where it right, gets like it's about season beyond, five like or six. It goes down to South America or something like that. Uh, or...
2: There is a moment there, but I think it's the Moldavian Yeah, thing. yeah. there's something I'm like, yeah. very excited to see yeah.
0: how that there's a happens. royal family. I think there might be a UFO at one point. There's a lot. That's the
1: collision. Yeah. We we're really That's just dipping show. our
0: toe. Yeah, but I would just say, like, don't, coming into it,
1: like, it was exciting for me to, see, to to like dive into at long last this like this iconic piece of pop culture that came came out of or produced the 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So we start with this week's episode right immediately after the testimony of Stephen and Fallon Carrington, and Fallon, of course, is pissed because her little brother Stephen called her out. He called me. her a liar. Yeah, what happened? Lying on the by stand. Way, what
1: happened at the end of the last episode? Because I, you know, the, the well, other thing is there's no like previously on Dynasty. Yeah, it's just like Fallon being like, I can't believe you said that or whatever it was. I was like, what happened
2: to this lady? <laughs> like, I needed the pre-show. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, basically, Pamela Sue Martin is this, you know, she's this wonderful character, Fallon. But she's also got her one big flaw, which is she's like daddy's little rich girl. Yeah. I and so I sense. guess, you know, basically, she, you know, she was lying on the stand to get him out of this murder charge. Steven basically said, no, she's lying in front of the whole courtroom. Like, you know, he he goes on the stand and says the exact opposite. So, And mm. up
0: until this point, they've really been the only people on the show that have a genuine right. love for each other. I've really liked their relationship. Because even those that are in romantic relationships, they're always fucking each other over or cheating on each other. But this brother and sister, they have maintained a closeness. And I don't know where the writers went wrong. But in that moment, outside of the courthouse, all of the cool wokeness of Fallon went out the window. Because because daddy supersedes everything
2: else for her.
0: But I know, and I fucking hate that.
2: Are
1: you saying because she basically was, like, like you and your gay lover at yeah. that moment? She had
0: been the most accepting... accepting. Yeah. Other than But Claudia now that Blaisdell. it's gotten her
2: daddy into trouble, now she's like your dead gay lover. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, She's like she basically stomped on him with her high heel pumps. You <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs>
1: not to be confused with all those high heels that the extras were wearing as they clattered out of the courthouse. They're <laughs> <laughs> talking; I could barely hear I know, the actors. It was, it it was like, like clack a, clack a cattle clack cattle clack call, clack I, I was like, uh, could we like maybe fix the audio
0: on this a little bit? <laughs> yeah, there like, were a lot clack, of audio issues in this episode. We'll probably get to that. I'll tell you something something I've begun to think and to feel. You're the guilty one. You're as guilty as anyone else of Ted Denard's death. You allowed him into your father's house. You practically invited him to die. Your friend, your lover, your dead lover. But yeah, Fallon has been very... Open in her sexuality, she's uh, really been postmodern feminist, as Kyler has dubbed her, and we've really like been there for her. But I don't know. I just hate this daddy's little girl
2: routine, and I feel like yeah, she kind of sells out for him. Uh huh. You know? But then she has the nerve to cry about it later in the library, like, "Oh, I think I've lost steven My brother's gone." You know, well,
1: because she like... realized the the errors of her ways, and it's like a it's a terrible thing to to realize.
2: Yeah, and it's actually, it's it's a little bit of a, a touching moment because they are the only two characters that really, I mean, other than maybe Claudia and Steven, but oh, they're so doomed. So. Can you
1: tell me about... So I actually one thing I will say, given that I knew nothing about what was going on, I was actually able to like follow the story pretty well. I was able to piece together things. They did a really good job of like yeah. adding details to catch they you. They used up. the
2: courtroom scene to really like basically call back all the story. Yeah, yeah. they did so, like, a good I, job of that. Right. Yeah. So like
1: I I knew okay, so that like she had lied on the stand. I learned that Linda Evans was a secretary, and then like I, I mm-hmm. could figure out very quickly she's a stepmother and whatever. But so Claudia. Can you just give me a little bit of backstory wow. on who so, Claudia I know this man, is? I know there's
2: a whole podcast for this, the, the but just like, a, <laughs> like the elevator pitch on who Claudia is in the bookstore. Claudia is my very most favorite character. It, this goes into a lot of like larger meta things about the writing and the show. I don't want to get into all of that, but like Claudia basically is this housewife who turns out to have an affair with Steven, you know, and he's supposed to be gay. He, he basically, he identifies as gay on the show. Right. Like, there's no question about bisexuality or anything else. And they end up like having this interesting outsider friendship where she's got mental problems. Um, like she's like fresh out of the, the mental hospital in the oh, first episode. I love that. And, uh, and then Steven of course is, you know, gay and his dad doesn't like that. And so the two of them sort of have this weird bond where they're both sort of outsiders and they, they, they have this really uh intense um, it, friendship yeah. that starts like right away. And it's just and this it, is like not something I've seen in TV writing before. I mean it's it's a really incredibly written relationship and it really it's heart-wrenching when she's basically taken to task at stand at the stand and mm-hmm. she's got to put it all out on front street in front of God and everybody in Denver, Colorado mm-hmm. that she's been sleeping with, with gay Stephen Carrington and her husband like walks into the courtroom as she's saying this and he doesn't know that all this has been going on and now he feels like a total cuck mm-hmm. and, it's it's really like to me with a high point of this episode. Actually, I, yeah, I know there was
1: like really well acted. I was like, this woman just is doing gonna say, a fantastic job right part now. Part of why like this she's should've... my
2: favorite character. Pamela Bellwood was like I think she was a stage actress before this show, and she acts. She's the best actor on the show. I think. I think. John Forsyth and Linda Evans are, are great. They they do their characters very well, but Claudia is so well played by her and it's she's like on another level for me.
0: Yeah, no, she should have definitely submitted this episode for Emmy consideration if she didn't because she was giving it, even in that little throwaway scene where they come to the bookstore to subpoena her and bring her into the courtroom, which Blake Harrington did not want to do and Andy Laird, that fucking asshole attorney, went ahead and did anyway. She was just emoting so much. And in that phone call to her mm-hmm. husband, it was like she was going to like She already die. knew it was over. She, she already knew. knew. She
2: was, everything was going to be exposed and it was curtains for her. This is
0: it. And yeah, she gets on stand and has to reveal all.
2: Were you not, in fact, having an affair with Stephen at this time? Please, Mr. Laird. I'm a married woman.
0: I have a husband and I have a daughter and they mean everything to me.
2: I know that, Mrs. Blaisdell, and I'm sorry. Again, please forgive me, but you'll have to answer my question.
0: Andy just presses her and presses her and presses her and she finally gives up the goods and reveals that she's had this relationship now of course it's pretty comical that Matthew Blaisdell walks right in mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's the only really cheesy
2: writing in this <laughs> in this episode I think other than maybe just Brian Dennehy's really bad lines um, but how
1: about everything that stupid daughter said in the car about like mom I'm oh. Lindsay Dad. oh you don't like
2: Lindsay either yeah oh. none of us we're on the Lindsay Hater that's club that's my
0: favorite yeah. character Lindsay <laughs>
2: blazedale <laughs> well oh, she's it's, so hilariously so awful. that's what's that's another part of claudia's story is that uh, her husband matthew buys her that that boxy blue ford i think and that I is like literally, growing up i think a lot of people had those or there or somebody in the family had one but like she treats this car as like her, her entrance into into the world again when she comes oh. home. like She's like, I'm going to drive now. And she's like afraid to drive the car. So this car becomes this like vehicle for her that's mental amazing. stability, you know? And I love that in this final episode of the season, like basically she gets in the car and they go off the road. <laughs> and that's like, it's like <laughs> this big ending issue. with these two. Yes. Yeah. But also we've been hating Lindsay so much this whole time that I'm like so excited that maybe she's going to be like written off of the show at this point.
0: When so. I saw them book it over those rail railroad tracks i was like hoping okay <laughs> i, a was I want a train to come or another <laughs> car i want the car to like go, go off the cliff i actually for a moment did think because claudia is a bit touched she has been in a mental institution that she was just going to go off the left Ooh, not yeah. the right and go off the cliff but instead there's this sort of accident that the moment happens. that she like
1: looked at her daughter for like like two beats i was like uh-oh There's something in the room. And then sure enough, she turns and...
2: There was like a Ford Torino broken down in the middle of the road. There was some like traffic umbrella that she
1: should have been able to see like way ahead of time.
0: Yeah. And you know, maybe hit the brakes and not like veer towards the ramp that's sitting on the side They didn't have analog brakes back then. So yeah, Yeah. that's true. But yeah, so her journey has been really interesting and it's one that doesn't really bubble up to the surface because you think about the glitz and the glamour and the Carrington's and Linda Evans's shoulder pads and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And, um, we do get Matthew Blaisdell getting violent again. And finally, this time it's with Blake Carrington.
2: Well, I think it's interesting because Blake is uh, who's really on trial here to me. It's, I can't tell. I
0: feel like well, everybody's on. trial. I can
2: tell you who's, who's on trial. It's Steven sexuality. Number one, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Claudia's cheating. Number yeah. two, Blake, he's not on trial he's like, oh, he's like above the law. He's got all this money and like they put him on stand and all on the stand and all he does is like tell this like sappy story about his room about Steven's room when he was a baby and blah 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 and there's like literally like the world's tiniest violins playing in the background and I wanted the shit, camera like, to
0: shift over and next to the jury like an orchestra was sitting there playing violins. Yeah. yeah. Because it was it's so bad. It was yeah. Jokey. Yeah. And hokey. It was yeah.
2: he's he's like thrown a softball on this whole trial. So like I think it's interesting that the prior episodes called Blake goes to jail but he doesn't really go to jail he just gets interrogated by the police Mm -hmm. in a room and then like in this episode Matthew ends up going to jail and he's the one who just got cheated on by his wife with with gay Stephen Carrington it's it's like this whole just like this topsy-turvy deconstructed amoral world you know because Blake knows all he's in charge he can do
0: no wrong he is the system he doesn't have to answer to the system well I think he's
2: above the system is kind of what's playing out here
0: no I think not only is he above the system he is the system he's pulling the strings for everything but thankfully like, people start realizing that in that putting, moment that Matthew Blaisdell walks in there he's not as mad at Claudia his wife who's fucking around on him with a gay guy no she he's gets a mad because she's crazy
2: yeah he's mad at Blake But right. like they're not putting Crystal on the stand and like and asking her about cheating with Matthew in front of Blake you know like so it's like these people with money they don't have to answer or for any of their, you know, their immoral indiscretions, is, I, but, I
1: imagine that like Matthew's whole issue is like he's pro- he's probably had a bone to pick with the, the Carringtons. Oh yeah, I'm assuming is he? The, is this he,
2: whole is, season is really the dynamic has actually been Blake Carrington versus Matthew, mm-hmm. um, because Matthew's the small time player in the oil business, and right, Blake's like and Blake's the big corporate. Yeah. and
1: like, and I'm just assuming it's like you and your family. Yeah. Like, it's always like I want you to stay away from my family and my fields. And once again, your family has brought like terrible things. Like if it weren't for your family, my wife would probably right. never have
2: cheated. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. very much a part of it.
0: Yeah. It's very much a uh, sort of an us and them, the, the high and the low and the the Blaisdells represent the low and they get all sort of mixed in with each other.
1: I, I actually, I did enjoy the scene with the, the prostitute. Um, oh, sis. Um, first of all, again, like I was sort of surprised. Her that name
0: is Sarah Pat. She is Sarah, a sex worker with a name. Sarah Pat. <laughs> she masoos. has a name. A Um,
2: I was. I again, gave rib downs and such. Would you like a massage? <laughs> I'll do whatever you want me to Anything do. Anything you want me to.
1: Uh, I'm just, you know, it's again, one of these things where like, you know, I didn't realize things, you know, uh, sex workers. And illicit massages were really being addressed on network TV in 1981, (laughs) and so like that would like, and the fact that homosexuality was also like a central thing. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool because I did not really, I didn't think that TV was at this point. Yeah, same. I thought more like 87. Maybe a little like seven or
2: eight years later, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I do like how they dance around her topic on the stand. And it's weird that everybody just kind of goes along with it up until a certain point when everybody erupts in laughter multiple times. Multiple times, although the laughter sounds the same. There's only three seconds
2: of laughter and it gets looped over and over and over. So there's like this rhythmic, high pitched monkey shrieking you can, like, just on rhythm, you can continually. Another thing that
1: gets looped over and over and over again is like the footage of steven right the son yes uh, yeah (laughs) the reaction shot he's just sitting there (laughs) at the edge of like the jerk like the uh like the gallery just just staring off like trying to emote so hard (laughs) he's like it's
2: really too bad that you don't see any of his prior character development because he's a very not well represented character in this episode at all but but he's actually a very I I like his character a lot. Well, he does have that big moment
0: where he interrupts the testimony with Claudia and is like, hey, what are you doing? doing? Just what are you doing? What are you doing? Even that, he just seems like (laughs) a a a weasel.
1: I also, uh, again, I also was surprised that there was this moment of, do you know what homophobia is? I was like, I didn't even think that word existed. I know, I know. The gay talk (laughs) is also very interesting. yeah. yeah. And I don't. I like how
2: Brian Dennehy, or sorry, Jake Dunham. I can't. (laughs) To me, he's always Brian Dennehy. It's fine. You I like how he basically says no. Homophobia is hatred of gays. You know, and it's like well, actually, no. It just means fear of. But but I understand where he's coming from. I kind of
1: felt like there was like uh, when she was talking about having sex with Stephen and. I think it was Brian Dennehy, lawyer Brian Dennehy. <laughs> I think he said, "So you had sexual relations." I was like, "Again, yeah, like the Clinton That's a term that I thought that <laughs> yeah. was like coined in the Clinton era. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness, Dynasty! Really? <laughs> like they 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 spearheaded so many movements."
2: And did you did you engage in fellatio? <laughs> well, yeah.
0: now it's not really spelled out, but so basically, Sarah Pat, she was just paid off to lie <sighs> because she didn't actually have sex with They watched television because well, he refused to have sex with her this is like what
2: i part of the episode that's on the little more uh, philosophical side is like they're they're doing all this like truth making in the courtroom and like the first line in the whole scene with fallon you know and steven arguing is she's like You know, or he's like saying it's the truth, isn't it? And she's like, whose truth? Your truth? His truth? My, you know, and... And that really made me think about the last episode where we were getting
0: these black and white flashbacks and the truth was firmly established. This episode flips that on its head and you don't really know what the truth is. You don't. And
2: that's... And to your point about Sarah Pat, like I I, I didn't catch that the first time and then I rewatched it and I'm like, oh yeah, she totally got paid because again this is this is truth making like us as viewers you didn't see the episode but this is like six episodes ago we saw them together in the massage room and they just watch tv yeah so so it's like well wait a minute why is she saying that did, did we not see something that or is she being paid to say this and then of course at the end she says I do anything you like so mm-hmm. yeah she got paid to say you know what they wanted her to say
1: did we did we ever get to the root of why there was so much discussion about Stephen's sexuality why were there so many witnesses uh, claiming that he was maybe not gay or whatever was that what was the larger argument there I think I actually missed that I were that trying to say that because he was no longer gay that therefore there was
0: what they're trying sort of to do is establish because they're trying to establish a motive because Blake Carrington is charged with first degree murder oh, homophobia. It's the homophobia. Steven Stephen is moving on from
2: being gay that Blake is justified in killing his former lover who was trying to turn him gay again or something. When he An walked yeah. airtight argument if yeah. there ever was in one. In 1981 yeah. this, this would pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beyond hey, a have. shadow of a doubt.
0: I mean, yeah, so I, that's why that's being played out a lot. But also going back to this idea of not really knowing the truth for these uh, witnesses' testimony, when Crystal gets on the stand, she's lying through oh her my fucking God.
2: teeth. Did you know? Oh, my God. So, like, they basically ask her, has he been violent? And she looks at him lovingly and says, no, just the usual. He argues. He gets moody, you know, but he never been violent. Her. It's like Really? but well, rape is not Linda rape. Yes, spousal rape. This happened like four or five episodes previous. Whoa, spousal
1: rape. Was it the sort of thing where like these days we look back and like, oh, that's spousal rape. And at that time, it was considered like. I hesitate to tell you to watch
2: the scene because it's it's very uncomfortable. On the show, it was definitely portrayed. It was clearly yes,
0: but she forgives him and they get back together.
2: And here wow. she is on the witness stands. Oh, no, he's not violent. It's like, hey, he just raped me once. You yeah, know, that's fine. Yeah, and,
0: you know, do you ever argue? No, only when he's raping me. And does he ever hit you? No, just rapes me. I was like, what the hell? That would hell?
1: explain why there were all those dramatic pauses. I was like, lady, why are you pausing so much? Like you're Some of that's to- also Linda
2: Evans, I think. That's, yeah, it could be. Been- that's, that's her very classic mm-hmm. Crystal character moment. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean... It, yeah, I mean I, there were a lot of melodramatics in this
2: oh, for sure. courtroom, which yeah. I actually really appreciated. I actually,
0: it is me, a soap opera. Yeah.
2: And I actually but sometimes think I feel like, it's a crutch, you know, and the courtroom scenes aren't all that good. I feel like the courtroom scenes are pretty well written. But in here's those. the,
1: but here's the thing though. There are a lot of courtroom scenes that are written in today's television that are not that good and they don't have yeah. that crutch. And I'm like, if you're going to give me a shitty courtroom scene, at least give me one with some melodramatic flair, you know? Yeah. And like right. honestly watching this show, I was actually surprised at how many scenes I really got like really sucked into. I was like I was dialed in. And it sort of like is a reminder of how far nighttime soaps have fallen, right? Because yeah. They are just yeah. not as good. They it, a lot they almost really don't exist schwacky. as a genre anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they they are a lot of them are overly produced in a way that's not fun like this. They or, or they're like geared really young. Like for the CW or something like that. Right. Although I love Gossip Girl, they do move too quickly. They they burnt. That's that's the Josh Schwartz effect. Okay. Uh He did it on the OC. (laughs) He did it on Gossip. He was a little better on Gossip Girl, but then it's like going too fast with these storylines. You want to draw them out, make it like agonizing when people aren't getting together, things aren't happening, Um, and uh, just watching this. I think the closest that we've had. Recently has been Revenge season one. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: we, right? yeah. Which I did like it in the first season. And first then season was it amazing. Totally fell off, and I don't even care. That's so yeah. funny.
0: I watched most of Revenge, and I uh, I hadn't thought about it for a while. Yeah. But it is very dynasty closest like, It had
1: like the the violins. I almost the, felt like that was and more and really like dynasty than, than the current too. reboot is.
2: But yeah, and I know that p- people
0: have
1: a lot of. Feelings about um, the new Renee Zelliger. Uh, what was it called? What's that stupid show called? I watched the first about episode. About Judy Garland? Oh, no, no. no it's, it's on Netflix. It's <laughs> called... a movie. <laughs> no, it's on Netflix. It's called... What If? What if. Yeah, I haven't seen it. And it's, it's, very, it's very campy and ridiculous. But again, it's sort of... Um, it's like not camping fun in a way like this is.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear you say that, Ben, because one of my fears in tackling Dynasty was that I thought it was going to be too slow. I thought it was going, I was going to just be like bored. Mm. And parts of it are slow. There's a couple
2: slow moments, but, in, but
0: for the most part, I like that it's slow in certain parts because you can kind of absorb everything. Well, mm-hmm. it,
2: there are parts, I feel like in a lot of ways the writing can be slow in a good way. Like, so you have time for things to sink in and develop. And I think there's, that's kind of lost on today's Mm -hmm. shows. Like there's not really writing like that anymore.
1: I I think also ultimately one of the issues with a lot of nighttime soaps is, and I'm sure it actually probably comes from network mandates is, uh, sometimes they take themselves a little too seriously and you like, you just can't have like a wishy-washy show. It has to be just all sort of like totally campy and ridiculous um and I think what happened with Revenge was that season 1 the tone was perfect the story was perfect that all these characters intertwined in interesting ways that they all affected each other and season 2 they got it in their heads that they wanted to they wanted to like do something bigger and more like they they'd gotten good reviews they had gotten um a lot of buzz and now they wanted to suddenly be taken seriously where whereas maybe season 1 they did things so right they but they screwed up so. the formula and then yeah, they it's not been, the same as, show kung anymore. Yeah the thing and this and that and It was it was ridiculous. These things have to stay in like a light, silly place. Gossip Girl was did a good job at first. Seasons one and two are wonderful. Season three is hard to fall off. And then, you know, whatever. But it's hard. It's really hard because I think what happens is that hubris gets in the mind of these creators and they want to uh, suddenly get like an Emmy.
0: Well, as we see at the end of this episode, I think they have a vision for where they want to go. Clearly, we're going to be losing a lot of characters because there's people in this season that I never heard of before. Mm -hmm. And I think they are going to dip. And Kyler, you can probably speak to this since you've seen all the episodes. They're going to veer more towards that kind of fun, campy element. The parked car. Well, they're going to, the they're going
1: to dial it up. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> well, I will say this, as long as we're, talk- we're talking, about, uh, gay stuff. I also was amused when there was the, uh, uh, the cross examination of the Butler. He was the Butler, right? <laughs> yes. 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 By well, a lawyer, uh, it was major, major Domo. Domo. Yeah. Major Domo. It, it, it felt like, it felt like a fay off. It was like, who could be more fay? So
2: we identified him early as like, as a bitchy character to play off of crystal. Mm-hmm. And I think what's about to happen is Joan Collins is going to come in and take his place as the bitchy character. Mm. But I don't think they know that she's like living her whole life to become this bitch on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going to become the arch bitch of all the universe. So, mm. but yeah, for right now, when you want bitchy moments on the show, you kind of get them between, uh, the major domo and Crystal,
0: and the first half of the season was really this kind of Downton Abbey upstairs downstairs battle between mm. Crystal being the new head like. mistress of the house and Joseph, who's been the head mistress
2: before her. Right, and, and they're so, like fighting out, uh, uh, like fighting it out over like china patterns, picking dinner, out flowers, seatings. menus. <laughs> I, I like that. What Mister Carrington said was, "I'll get him." You're sure
1: of that, are you? I'm certain of it, Mr. Laird. Just as I'm certain that what Mr. Carrington meant by "I'll get him" was that he was going to get him out of the house. Objection! And that he would never... The witness is stating an opinion. I sustain that objection. There's no question
0: pending. And we didn't really talk about it last week, but we really do have our first person of color character in Dynasty. The judge speaks. Judge Quinlan here comes Her- Horatio, Horatio Quinlan. Quinlan yeah um he didn't have a lot to do he did bang his pen a his couple pen, of times which had the sound of a
1: gavel but it was a pen
0: <laughs> <laughs> he did do that More
1: sound
2: issues yeah
1: yeah
0: but yeah I'm, I'm i know we'll get into it later because diane Carroll will be a force to be reckoned with on this show but i guess it's nice to finally have somebody who's not white on this show that's true the only other person of color on the show was uh when they went to new orleans <laughs> a few episodes ago there was a piano player okay. that looked at all of the crazy drunk white people with disdain oh, okay well was it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know what?
1: Uh, by the way, another uh, thing I really enjoyed, it was more of like it didn't really impact anything, but I thought it was an artistic choice. Um I enjoyed uh every time someone took the stand. There we God. go for tonight's
2: evening news. So I love the sketches and we talked about this in the prior episode. Like I want to know where those sketches are because yeah. I need them in my collection.
0: Anybody who wants to who
2: if you just want to come out of the woodwork one of and, those and sketches, sell those to us, put
0: them on eBay.
2: We will buy it now. Yeah, we will. Or first dibs. Either. Mm-hmm. But okay. Yes. So did you, did you notice, um, the, so this was interesting with the, the truth making topic, like the sketch of Joseph, He's got a Paisley tie on, but then when you go to the real Joseph, he's actually just wearing like a geometric checker pattern tie. Mm. I down know, is like, up. Oh, up no. is down. Wow.
1: Um, it's funny because Linda Evans, I feel like she just sort of sits there. I feel like through most of the show, just with the blank <laughs> expression on her face. Sort of just like, like a sea lion that just like jumped up onto the pier and is just basking. Yeah, we
0: call it Linda Evans acting on the podcast. She does a lot with her eyes, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's actually really. Sometimes great. the
2: less she says, the more she acts. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. yeah, her hair does a lot too.
1: You know, no, it doesn't actually do anything. It yeah, do just anything. It sits <laughs> there in a it's solid sort of, it, form. It looks like a barn, you know, like it's like a got <laughs> like, like, like
2: that, that, that swoopy. It's like her head line. is emerged from the barn yeah, doors. The it barn just doors yeah. very ver-
1: like a perfectly like
2: you know, or like a like a thatch hut, you know. I think it looks kind of like a Grecian like helmet, you know, the yeah. like that visor thing and then like the. I don't there know, is it.
1: The, yes, it. I can see that too. It's either way. It's it's
0: like a force unto itself, and it has presence. She's a samurai. She is. But yeah, as you probably notice, the woman at the end, that's Blake Carrington's previous wife, mm-hmm. is not actually played by Joan
2: Collins. Oh, it's just a not, model. Yeah, I thought it
1: did not seem Joan Well, because Collins I think S. the story
2: was that at this time, they hadn't quite solidified a contract with anybody. Uh-huh. They were, I think the producers originally wanted Sophia Loren Wow. um but it, that was only protracted for maybe 5 or 6 episodes so they didn't even have like a long term plan for this character necessarily and i don't know it remains to be discovered if her character was already written into this season from the beginning or if they were mm-hmm. like trying to change things up and get in, and spike the ratings and like introduce something to stir things around at the, at the end of this season. So it's, I don't know how intentional this character really was if she was only written for five or six episodes, but they couldn't afford Sophia Loren, I guess at the end of the day, mm-hmm. or they didn't like her one, one or the other. I she wasn't was like right a Raquel the Welch
1: or something like well,
2: that. Raquel Welch could have worked for that, I guess. But I, the, the interesting choice to me was Jessica Walter, uh, who of course goes on to be another scheming yes, uh, lady uh, that we all love on uh, Arrested she, Development. She might've so, been a lot of fun, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So, in walks the star witness and there were no clues given to who it would have been leading up to this
2: what's she doing here what's going on my god that's
1: my mother once i found out in this early scene in this episode that Linda evans was a secretary then like becomes the mom whatever um I was like I wonder if I wonder if Joan Collins was the original mom, you know? So then when this thing happened yeah. at the end, she said that's my mom and the woman walks in and you don't even see the face, you just with knowledge of pop culture and the show, like that has to be Joan Collins. Mm-hmm. And I love how like really everyone on this show is dressed. Everyone's dressed kind of in this like shabby tans and grays. Way like like not and interesting, grays, yeah. lots of pussy bows and this woman comes in with like black a and hat. white with a mm-hmm. veil, like a, like a, I don't remember if it was a mini skirt or whatever, but it was like a tight, like two-pencil skirt, skirt. Pencil, pencil skirt. mini length, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like boom. And you know, it's kind of funny because that was basically saying, here, the yeah, dynasty, I, the iconic dynasty look is entering the room right now.
0: Yeah, we've had. A few We've had some good touches here and there, but, here and there, but nothing like I think what's to come. But I think
2: that they did on purpose costume everybody in tans and grays, even more so because she I walks disagree. in and she is the only thing to look at, and she's because she's wearing black and white, and everybody else is just a sea of beige. But
0: yeah, I mean, this moment was really billed as the most dramatic thing to ever happen in this show, and that's sold with the fact that they cut to every character Uh and they... This really, is my personal
1: favorite.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. It's such the freeze a freeze frames weird at the end. Choice. Yeah, like an, like a, and everybody's doing something weird with their hand on their face. Like what was that and they direction? They didn't even
1: need to and what's funny is they didn't even need to have a free, they could have just like They could have just had panned around p- the
2: room yeah. or had some we reaction just had, like, shots reaction shots where people yeah.
1: look and then cut to the next one, but they, the fact that they stopped every single person like paused. <laughs> it was like <laughs> definitely like an awkward artistic choice that I really appreciated.
0: Well, you know what it reminded me of? What? Well, since we have, you know, the expert on all things Housewives here, mm. it reminded me how still today at the end of most of the Housewives, I think. Oh, yeah. They do those weird freeze frames with like the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was sort of like that, except there was no like uh, Crystal went off and had a sandwich later today, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> it was just a freeze. Although it's actually kind of funny. If you think about the real Housewives reunions, they probably actually owe a debt to this show. Right. There's like a they oh, dress yeah. up in glamour. Yes. There are a lot of dramatic reactions and looks and walk-offs and, and outrageous
2: storylines. Yeah, yeah. even though
1: it's sort of stagnant, they're just sitting on a set. I think the, the sentiment and, the uh, the truth bomb the is there. Is, yeah, is actually, yeah. And, and the tone and, and by mm. the way, that's a perfect example where that's the, that's the right tone. Bravo with their Real Housewives franchises yes. knows what the tone of Dynasty
2: they is. They have their and they, finger they are, firmly up the ass of America. They yes. know
1: exactly like how to ride that line between like it can, they can be serious and they need to be serious, but generally, you know, there is like a wink in the they eye. They never take you know? themselves that mm-hmm. serious. Oh, yeah. There's yeah.
0: definitely a lot of people at Bravo and the Real Housewives production companies that grew up on Dynasty. I, I know I texted you and I told you to watch the birthday party episode, but you do need to go back and watch it, especially since I feel like you're kind of vibing with Dynasty now. Mm-hmm. Um, because that dinner party, it's a birthday party dinner scene. It rivals, you know, any of those dinner parties, dinners uh, with Allison Dubois or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, it's a really is, messy bitch fest. This all feeds
2: into like the Bravo thing for sure. It all feeds into what I like to identify as like post camp which is where we are aware that we're doing things that are campy, but we're like utilizing that to do something. Like there's sometimes people like make camp on purpose and it's not actually all that good. Mm -hmm. But to your point, I think they go right up to that edge and identify that, you know, it's not that serious actually. And it it becomes entertaining in that way. But it's not truly camp because Mm -hmm. it's self-aware. Exactly. And I think that like a lot of
1: these nighttime soaps that we see on – Usually Fox or ABC or the CW, they are just like overly produced. They 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 think they're doing the campy thing, but they are totally no, missing the mark yeah. every single time, every time. And it's like it's hard to exactly pinpoint what goes wrong with them. Um, there's like it's weird because on the one hand they're missing the gravitas that's required for good melodrama, right, and, yeah. and they feel and I feel like they're trying to achieve it by putting on like very intense heavy musical chords. Um, or strange, like, directorial choices, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've been trying to pinpoint it for years. Well, this is can't. the same thing with, like, nobody can define camp. I mean, yeah, it's, look it's all very at ambiguous. Yeah, happened at this year's Met
0: Gala. It was a big debacle because nobody really nobody really understood what camp is. They couldn't wrap their mm-hmm. heads around it. And then, you know, Anna Wintour's pissed about it. And I am, too. But, you know, Joan Collins was there this year. Mm. So still culturally relevant. We're Always. hanging on to that. Always. Well, I'm excited for Joan. I can't wait to see where this
2: goes, and it's just... One thing I will say uh, is, well, maybe, and I love the first season of this show, but it is a very different show. I think season two actually kind of evolves from the first season, so the first and second seasons to me kind of relate, and then third season kind of goes a little bit different direction, and then it just goes totally off the rails, but... So I'm kind of actually sad because I love the first season because the Shapiro's were writing something with these four characters, Blake and Crystal and Stephen and Claudia, that are very – these are characters you have not seen before Mm -hmm. on a soap primetime or otherwise. Um, They're all doing very new things for characters and – I think a lot of that starts to get lost once we get into the second and third seasons and Joan takes over, which, you know, that's great. She does what she does. And Mm -hmm. that's an entertaining show unto itself. But I'm kind of sad because this was going in a different direction. It wasn't actually very soapy. It was actually very, almost like Dostoevsky. Like Like it was the family internal lives Uh and like the Chekhovian conflict of the family. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was, it was kind of almost like a different show in that way. And, you know, but rightfully so, they said that this isn't getting the the re, the ratings we want we want Dallas you know so they, well, they, they had th- to move on but I'm
1: glad you said that they they move on towards a um, uh, about spending money instead of making money because I actually feel like that's one of the real fun draws of the Real Housewives but also a lot of these mm-hmm. like the best nighttime soaps is just like rich people being rich and ridiculous and I would always get mad and I'm sorry to, I keep on growing back to the OC and Gossip Girl but those were like two
2: no those big are nighttime stones. soaps yeah. that I totally
1: watched in the in the aughts. And one of the problems that those shows had was, um, you know, the most fun, interesting characters in Gossip Girl, you'd have Blair Waldorf or Chuck or wherever. But then you'd always have to, like, stop and go to Brooklyn and see what Dan Humphreys <laughs> was doing. Yeah. And he'd be sitting there and he was always the one who would walk into the party and pull Serena out and be like, no, you shouldn't be here. And it was always, like, the ongoing thing that I think a lot of creators have trouble, like, moving, uh, separating from is that, like you know, poor people are virtuous and (laughs) rich people people are like mappin and terrible and the poor people are are virtuous and which then translates into, they don't like having any fun. And they'll always like, if someone's drinking, they'll be like, don't do that. And first of all, it seems like such a, you know, like these things, like if you want to drink or party underage, whatever, that's something like that is like cuts across all genres. Happened in revenge. You had this crazy family and then you had these like there was like these two, the two brothers who li- they were more like working class, and they were always the ones pulling people out of like, you shouldn't be in this party or whatever. Yeah, so you get that. That's like a that really inverse. annoying trope yeah. of like of like this classing that they try to build in, and I think that some, with these shows. Just stick with crazy rich people. Yeah, just Let do what you ridiculous. do. Let yeah. them be ridiculous. I yeah. don't
0: want to be reminded of being like poor myself yeah. or middle income. No, this is escapism.
1: And I think that a lot of times, I think probably executives say, no, we need to have a poor character so that way the audience so has they a can way relate, in. But they
0: don't want to relate. No, we don't yeah. want to relate. They want, want a way out, not a way in. They, they want wire. to have bitchy fun. Yeah, yeah, I remember
1: Laguna Beach season three when they decided to rejigger the cast and then our protagonist was this like outsider girl and it sucked. We want to be with, like, the popular girl in a rich school. You know, you want to be it's escapism just give us the rich people
0: you know where I would like to be in the hospital when they pull Lindsay Blaisdell off of life support please I don't want her in the next season <laughs> I don't want her in the I next season I think mercifully
2: she's just totally written out of the her, show at this point but, but her, you know by her crash choreography was
1: wonderful as they were like approaching that and she just like she just like twists like out of her seat and up to the right she like does like a full on like like a triple lux in that seat I was like you know what if, if this girl dies right now she is going out this in is glory. a good way to go
0: yeah, yeah she did a great job dying all right well <laughs> let's take a break and then we'll talk about our looks of the week okay all right well now it's time to talk about our looks of the week ben you're the guest we're gonna let you go first i
1: am chomping on the bit this look was such a look of the week for me that i actually put it on the watcher crappens instagram
0: you oh know, my God. Which is it's sort hard. of like a subtle way to promote so your podcast. Odd. I didn't
1: mention the podcast yet, but it'll get, get it going. Wait,
0: you didn't tag us.
1: Well, I just, I just, I put nasty, up in a, in a nasty
2: I, podcast. I will,
1: I will, I will add it next. I will, I'll go back and re-edit it.
2: I'm just flattered. You, you like thought so much of something from time. Well, because,
1: uh, in the very first scene as Fallon comes tromping out of the courtroom to scold her gay loverless brother, I was like, Oh my God, this is the origin story. Of Lisa Vanderpump's entire aesthetic, wow. it's true. Yeah. So you go it's back. True. You go back. You look at that first scene. Lisa she's got Vanderpump has that bolero has, jacket. She's wearing. Lisa wears the exact same jacket, uh-huh. the same ruffle cuffs, uh-huh. the pussy bow, even the exact same that hairdo. Hair. That hairdo. It is exactly yeah. Lisa I Vanderpump. I never made that
2: connection. There was something uncanny about it, but I didn't realize. Lisa You're Vanderpump,
1: Vanderpump right. wears that exact. It's not even like a joke. Like, oh my god, it looks like Lisa Vanderpump. It is the right. exact it wardrobe is, yes. of Lisa Vanderpump. She and ripped styling. her whole look
2: off the first season of Dynasty. See. Yeah. Yeah. I would
0: just assume she would have been ripping Joan off. In the no, beginning, no. that's what it felt like. In the beginning, We
1: I remember, because we watched that first episode together, actually, specifically. You had the screener. We, we watched it in my we place. We did. And um, we were like, oh my God, Lisa Vanderpump, we were saying, oh, she's sort of like Dynasty. She's like fabulous and British. I
0: totally forgot about that. We did. We watched
1: it, I think, on my computer, in fact. And uh, But the truth is, and this is actually why I think what's sort of sad about Lisa Vanderpump, is that when she burst on the scene, she was like Joan Collins. She was very she Joan collins And now she's Fallon.
2: Well, she was English and she was actressy and she was bitchy and tough as nails. But mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. you look at
1: that, that is Lisa Vanderpump. That is a hundred percent Lisa Vanderpump. And it is, it is actually like makes me sad for Lisa Vanderpump because that's not what her aesthetic should be. Like it should have evolved, <laughs> and we've always said that she's sort of stuck in the '80s. But like to actually see that this she's is sort really of like proof in, positive. Yeah,
2: it's
0: a little
1: literally one to one. Yeah, she needs she needs a, a fashion update, big time.
2: Well, this is what we have to do a lot with this first season because the clothes aren't all that over the top. So we'd have to find like ways to identify looks i can give which, you a i can give you a secondary look if you're okay, having trouble sure. with another yeah. if
1: you're if you're having trouble i actually really enjoyed it was sort of like i think it was, was it was like a sweater dress of some sort that claudia
0: oh i like that that, was, that my, that's was my look of the week. that was like an, like an effortless yes. elegance
2: yes yeah
0: well, and when they did her close-ups, when she was on the stand, they gave her a really soft focus, like the Linda Evans mm. soft focus. And the soft focus... And only Linda
2: gets the soft focus in this season. Well, so.
0: yeah. I mean, I guess this was like a gift to Pamela Bellwood. But they give her the soft focus on the close-ups, and it really highlights the fuzziness the fuzzy of, of, of the, the sweater. sweater. Oh, yeah.
1: it's it, There's like a tactile draw to it. But when she first walks in, it's sort of, again, we've seen we see everyone wearing things that are either more, seem more glamorous or less glamorous. And it just, it was just sort of like a different look from what anyone
2: else was wearing. Well, Claudia's character is, is established, you know, throughout the show. She's always wearing something a little bit different from everybody Mm -hmm. else.
0: Yeah, she kind of reminds me of, you know how like, when real housewives get a second season and they up their game and they start trying new things. My my
1: co-host Ronnie says that's in the second season, that's when the bitch flower blooms.
0: Yeah. So I think that's kind of where she's at. Like she doesn't quite have enough money to pull off crazy looks, but she's willing to like try
2: some things See, here Now, By the way,
1: I love aspirational pour on a, on a soap.
2: Yeah. Claudia is a good example of like, she's like, I've, I've got style. I may not have a ton of money to back it up, but I can be creative about it. And you know what
1: her, her like ensemble I somewhat, I, I feel like a woman could wear that today and it would be like the most chic thing. At a party,
0: there are a lot of pieces, not necessarily entire looks, and definitely not makeup and hair. I was have, gonna, that, I was going to call can out wear today. Last week, Fallon wore something that, if I saw somebody like at mm-hmm. a club wearing that, I would think it was like.
2: Well, a I, th- hot I think we've said that about a couple of <laughs> you know ensembles throughout this season. Like you could wear it today and mm-hmm. like look totally on point. So she's also wearing. Yes, she's doing this taupe thing with the handbag and the high heels are taupe. Uh, with the beige. It's like, it's all just like this 80s neutrals. Yeah. They
0: love to like, just pick a lane and go drive it into, well, into a mountain. Yeah.
2: But it's
1: interesting also that she was wearing a bag because I feel like actually a lot of times in these shows, Especially in like a courtroom scene, we're not seeing anyone holding a bag. Like Linda Evans does not have her bag that she wore to get well, to the honey, courthouse. Well, honey, she didn't
0: know she was going to be on the yeah, stage. Yeah, I think today. she just got well, out on the
1: well, floor. I yeah. think that's why they did that. Part yeah. of it's to show that she just got there. Which but is good actually, costuming. yeah, yeah, but it actually what it actually really does is it makes her look like a very real person in that mm-hmm. moment.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's very true.
0: And, well, and, do. and poor, because Linda Evans has a driver. <laughs> she he has didn't somebody have to many, hold her purse yeah, for yeah. her. Michael is holding her bag back in row four.
2: The other look we're supposed to talk about is, you know, Alexis, Alexis Carrington entrance to the courtroom. Although we don't get her name. She's too short. And yeah. And we don't really see her as Alexis. We just kind of see a body double with a dress on. It's interesting. Nolan Miller, he actually said that this was just like a, a black and white uh, suit that was just in the back of the wardrobe. Really? Um, in rotation. And the hat was just a big white hat. And they actually, he said they, I, I, this is a specific detail, they cut the crown down. So I guess it had a taller crown and they cut it down. I, I don't know to fit more of the time period, or I don't know. But anyway, so was a, this was apparently a hot glue gun affair. And like this, this, this whole look that Alexis walks into the courtroom in, as iconic as it has become. Just was sort of just born of, of uh, a sort of a, a non heritage, you know.
0: I think we would be probably surprised to know how many iconic outfits oh, in the sure. history of the universe when you are pull actually the back together. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that, that seems to be one thing when you read a lot of the outside or the um, you know, the information about the production of this show is like Aaron Spelling was really like trying to like make the most out of a limited budget. Um, or spend all the budget on the clothes. this there was like sort of an either or. All right well Ben, Thank you so much
0: for your insight. Oh, thank you so
1: much for bringing me into the world of Dynasty. I, I, so my boyfriend is currently in Denver, as I was mentioning before the podcast. Very appropriate for this show. He's in Denver right now for the next uh, month and a half or so. And when he gets back, maybe I'm going to actually watch it with him just because he's a huge fan of fashion. And I think that he would want to watch just to see the looks like that sweater dress, etc.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe we just all need to take a trip to Denver one day and live our best dynasty I lives. I
2: see all the... Other- all the but apparently, landmarks. other than the courtroom establishing shot and a couple of other things in the title cards, it's all in Pasadena. Nothing was shot in Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I, got, I get that sense. I was like, I'll maybe I'll look up that bookstore she worked in.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's definitely in Burbank. Anyway, thank you for joining us on Dynasty as they want to be, and uh, I think we'll probably see you again. Hopefully, I hope so. you uh, dip your toe back into this world when you're not all consumed with. Bravo.
1: Yes. Would love
0: to. Well, Kyler, that's it for the first season ever of Dynasty and Dynasty as they
2: want to be. I Yeah, I'm pretty excited that we're going to get to see some Joan antics in season two.
0: I know there's so many places to go. It's thrilling. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for being my co-host and my life partner and going on this journey with me. Man, this you- was a blast. Yeah. Wait, like our marriage or just hosting this show?
2: I'll just put a period on the end of that sentence and let you figure it out.
0: (laughs) I also want to thank DJ Drugo, who created our theme song, and the artist Lindsay Mound, who designed our gorgeous logo. And also Ben Mandelker of Watch What Crappens for being our first ever guest and providing some really interesting insights. Some much-needed
2: outside interest in in this show. yeah.
0: Yeah, I loved what he had to say about comparing Dynasty to like primetime soaps of modern era and obviously all of the comparisons to The Real Housewives. It was it was great. So it was nice to have him here. And look, this is just the beginning.
2: God, you mean there's more?
0: Oh, so much more. And don't forget, we're all over social media at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y Podcast. And you can also check out our website, nastypodcast.com, for more information about us and the podcast. And to uh, contact us, we'd love to hear from you. Well, let's cheers to the first season of Dynasty As They Want to Be.